0: This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19.
1: The Minutiaman Celebrity Interview is up next, but first... Take a listen to this other fine old pie show. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On the next Back to You, Steve's most embarrassing moment? Why do you have to put it on me? You were embarrassed too. I was. Yeah, more than once. Yes, not been embarrassed on this podcast before. Not embarrassed enough to end this promo. Maybe embarrassed on this one. We'll talk about some of our life's most embarrassing moments on the next Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify,
2: opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Interview with Rick and
1: Dave. Okay, Dave, this week through the magic of Zoom, we have two guests with us. You probably know the first one. His list of credits in Hollywood include just about every television show ever filmed (laughs) over the last (laughs) 20 years, including probably most famously Lost, which was awesome when he played uh, Jacob, and his current roles in the show 13 Reasons Why and in the show Supernatural, where he memorably plays Lucifer. Uh, He's also appeared in films like The Big Lebowski, National Treasure, Capote, but we're having him on to talk about, about an organization he helped found called The Guardian Project. We'll get to that in a second. But first, hello, Mark Pellegrino. Mark, are you there?
0: What's up, guys? I'm here. All I right. am here.
1: Good. Now, joining him on Zoom is the other co-founder of The Guardian Project. He's an attorney, a law professor, an anti-bullying activist, journalist, Hollywood brand manager. We're going to have to ask about that later on. <laughs> and, Dave, a youngster. He's only thirty years old, and he's thirty o-
2: years old. I've got
1: you know, I've got ear hair older than thirty years. <laughs> got kids that are that. <laughs> he's accomplished twice as much as we have in in half as much time. So uh, please welcome to the show, Andrew Rosso. Is that how we pronounce the name? Is it Rosso?
3: It is. Okay. It is. You guys did great. Thank Whew. you so
1: much. Hi. Right,
2: well, thanks for coming on. <laughs>
1: all right, that was good. That's all we have time for. I uh, know. First question <laughs> out of the box. I think it's a pretty open ended one, and that's. Uh, what is The Guardian Project, and how did the two of you hook up to create it?
0: Do you want to go for it this time, Andrew, or do you want me to That is your story to tell. The Guardian Project was inspired by uh, three waves of online bullying that I experienced. And a group of fans finally uh, circled the wagons around me and started protecting me and defending me against uh, uh, the hordes of, uh, of of mad haters out there. Uh, and uh, I was speaking to one of the fans uh, in DMs, and she she said, "I'm your, I'm sort of your guard and we're your bodyguards." And came up with the idea of uh, the Guardians at first mm-hmm. as an informal group of people on the internet who just circle the wagons around people who are being victimized and protect them in some way. Um, well, um, I think Andrew got wind of my uh, my activists activism against. Bullying, and he asked me to do a, a cameo for his uh, anti-bullying site called Cyberbite. I did a cameo for it. Then he uh, asked me for an interview, uh, and the hour-long interview uh, turned into about a two and a half, three-hour-long conversation where we discovered we had a lot in common—not um, only just a co-experience with respect to bullying, um, but um, you know, we had a lot in common. Uh, in, the, in the way that we grew up and the experiences that we had even though 20 some odd years uh, separate us and so i talked to him about the guardian project and we decided to um to create something bigger than just a a ad hoc online movement and make make it something organized and uh, and and attack this problem from a few different uh, from a few different tiers
2: you know rick and i are publishers and uh, last month we uh, was anti bullying month and we actually pro, uh, published a book called The Most Beautiful Place in Hell. And it was by Williams Man- William Mansfield, an author that we did another book with. Um, and it was about his childhood being bullied, you know, during his childhood. You know, you were speaking to two guys that were no question bullied when we were kids, you know. Uh, we had allergies, we were about 90 pounds, you know. Uh, you know, the typical kids. In fact, maybe you guys even bullied us, I don't know. But, uh, you know, these, day- these days, bullying is, in so many different ways than what we experienced in the schoolyards, you know, and you know, I, I, I love how you just mentioned that you guys had the shared experiences. Tell us a little bit about your shared experience and how bullying is really, you know, a whole different, whole different game these days.
0: Sure.
3: Sure. You want to take that part, Andrew? Sure. Sure. You know, I, you know, at, at 30, I, I seem like the average 30 year old, right. But growing up, You know, I developed a lot slower than most of the kids and people around me in terms of of puberty. You know, everyone, you know, at 13 years old, guys my age, boys my age, starting to get hair on their chest, facial Mm -hmm. hair. You know, I still can't get the facial hair to connect here, so I don't know (laughs) if that's part of it. But You got a great um, head of hair. I I, can't (laughs) see the great head of hair. but. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll send pictures. Um, I I found out that I had a growth hormone deficiency. And when I was at camp at, you know, that 12, 13 year old age range, there was no way for me to know that. Right. Mm -hmm. All that I knew was I was different from other, other people and behaviors, the curtaining, the, the, the harassment, the assaults that took place made me feel extremely inferior and, yeah. and shameful to, to be me. I didn't know what that meant. And it created a lot of problems for me over the years of being able to have the confidence and strength to look at somebody like like you guys or Mark in the eye or look a girl or a woman in the eye and be proud of who I was. And, you know, that led me down a path of, making sure that nobody else felt alone right making sure that what i went through no matter how small big whatever the context i didn't want somebody else to go through that and feel alone as i did because i didn't know what to do and the friends that i thought i had were the ones that
0: ended up being the aggressors so when mark and I, yeah, and that and that's our and that's our shared story because i, I may be six three, two hundred and ten 210 pounds now but I, I, I didn't start growing until I was about seventeen and a half. Mm-hmm. So I spent I spent the, my formative years in high school a little guy and um and had experienced the same kind of, of comparative body shame to kids who were growing up and um and and you know the and how they, they look at you and how they treat you uh, based on those physical facts. So that's that's where we, we share a common a common story. Uh, but I think that I think that go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I, I was going to say, is that how you? Uh, is that why you're into stuff like kickboxing and judo and all that sort of stuff? I mean, did you pick all that up when you were a kid?
0: I started it when I was a kid, but uh, stopped it as well, and then picked it up when I was in my uh, early 20s, um, just to achieve uh, fitness and and to get a black belt, which was what I always okay, wanted. Okay, so unrelated and, uh, then. It to had the, less to do with. sort of unrelated sort of unrelated but i don't know you know i think i think that insecurity lives with you and and pushes you along even when you think you've gotten over it i'm sorry andrew did i interrupt you
3: no i was gonna say that's what drives you you know uh whether it's consciously or subconsciously and i think that's that's a big part of what we do is we have that personal touch to it we have that personal feeling you know what i and i feel like what
0: what I feel like what differentiates, I just want to finish the rest of the question. I feel like what differentiates uh, bullying today from bullying back in the day when it was just a playground phenomenon is that it's ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. And it's incentivized by by anonymity and by the lack of connection between the, the victim and, and the victimizer. I mean, uh, and, and it's a different type of aggression as a result. On the playground, it was, it was pure physical aggression that could be met with physical aggression in return, and that could, that could sometimes alleviate the problem. But now it's relational aggression. And, and now there's people that actually have a, a, a psychological dynamic that, that um, sort of enjoys the relational aggression, enjoys the anonymity and lack of consequence to their behavior, and is incited by you fighting back. Right. So it actually makes the situation just far more, worse yeah, yeah. when you fight back online.
1: And, you know, what's interesting to me uh, that if you guys have taken this into the social media world, which is, you know, a, a cesspool in a lot of ways. Um, and it even affects you, someone like you, Mark, where you think, uh, well, you know, a big TV star yeah. or a movie star wouldn't be affected in that way. Or, you know, in the political world where you've you just you can't say anything without it going completely crazy this is a big problem isn't it
0: oh it's huge i don't think anyone's too big to be toppled and i think that's part of the thrill for the people who are doing it yeah i don't i don't know that they can achieve anything in life other than the destruction of something bigger than themselves than a bit of a A thrill and the anonymity on social media allows them to to fulfill that that crazy twisted nihilistic dream
1: the one thing i love about what you guys uh the way you approach it is you're not saying that you know you're not against freedom of speech you're saying freedom of speech is not the same as freedom of reach which i think is a great line it just says that these uh social media companies Uh, You know, they're not under any obligation to let people do this.
3: No, they're not. It's it's you know, it's one of those things that nobody has the right to threaten, libel, slander, defame, cause another to feel unsafe or unworthy. And this is different than the mere you're ugly, you suck. It's something where all you have is your reputation, all you have is your name. And as Mark, you know, uh, says, you know, quite often that in some religions, religions and in some cultures, it's almost considered to be murder when you libel or slander another person and ruin their reputation because that reputation is tied to you. And when these narratives are created in such a way that it has the ability to affect, your family,
0: your lifestyle, your income, uh, your own mental health—something
3: should be done about that. Well, yeah, I, these
0: people, these people, they, these people do that. So we're not even talking about a culture now that's hypersensitized and considers hurt feelings the same thing as being assaulted or losing a livelihood. We don't, we don't believe that. We think that uh, you know these false narratives are created with the intention of harming, doing objective harm to people. I just read a story uh, recently, the obituary of a professor in North Carolina who was, a, who was a Christian professor. He wrote provocatively, but his students loved him, uh, and he was uh, uh, there was a social media campaign started against him where lies and false narratives were spread through the faculty at first that, that stopped him from getting tenure. He fought it in court for seven years. Won the case, continued to write and mentor students in his in his own way. Uh, he he said a tweet that was controversial in the eyes of some celebrities and influencers and of all different stripes. Piled on to this guy, yeah. uh, and the university then forced him to take a, a buyout uh, to retire. Um, uh, or I don't think they could fire him, but they—they they, they, he somehow felt that the best option was to take a buy a buyout. And the social media abuse just continued and continued and continued, and he killed himself.
1: Yeah, I read about um, that guy. And
0: none of these people, not, no, yeah, it's not, I forget what his name is, but there's not, uh, I, I, the smallest fraction, and, and usually that small fraction who actually knew him were the ones who were writing positive, the ones, the other ones didn't know anything bride, about yeah, him. Yeah except except the memes that people were throwing out there on social media and the story and the spin and the narrative that became the truth and 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 to, to terrible consequence in my view of course suicide is it's his responsibility ultimately but those people bear some burden they oh. bear some responsibility for pushing the man to that point
2: oh no question so you know let's talk perfect world what would you like to change about the libel and slander laws i mean what um yeah talk to perfect world magic wand
3: Oof.
0: okay well um, yeah you go you go first and i'll go after you And.
3: Uh, Sure. Look, I think the biggest thing right now is is education and awareness. We're starting to see some of our archaic laws come into question with Congress, you know, holding hearings that require people like Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey to finally come forward to explain, to answer Mm -hmm. questions that I think that a lot of us don't have the answers to ourselves. And the reason for that is because a lot of the explanations we've been given by these platforms, by these tech giants over the years has been, well, it's an algorithm. Well, it's on the back end, you know, we have the right teams. And the problem is, is I think these platforms have become too large for one or two people to control, that there needs to be teams of humans that actually look at these types of reports, defamation reports, libel reports, whether they're built out, you know, built of or comprised of psychologists, lawyers, whatever it may be. So I think to answer your question, really, what what needs to be done done on a legal landscape is we really need to um, adjust and modify these laws, like Section 230 and privacy laws, to incorporate the very real criminal activity that is libel, defamation, harassment. And using cases like Mark just you know shared, there's another one that happened out in Boston you know a few years ago. Conrad Roy, I'm not sure if you remember that, where this was a a, a young man who had previously or was currently suffering from his own mental uh, health challenges in the sense of he didn't know what he wanted to do. He was already suicidal and. He had talked about it long enough with his with his girlfriend at the time that she actually was encouraging him to do it. Oh, yeah, uh, oh, to right, right, it. Right, Even, right, right, had, Do
2: it, do it. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. And, and he was found in his car, yeah. and initially it was, well, he, you know, inhaled too much gasoline or fumes. Well, what they found out was actually looking at the cell phone and saying, all these texts led up to the final moment to where he said, I don't want to do this. And she said something like, "Well, you're too weak, or why would you, yeah, yeah, why yeah. would you back out now, right?" And long story Jeez. short, that was that was landmark in a lot of ways. You know, I teach this in my class, and it's landmark because we're used to the sticks and stones metaphor, right? That we've all grown up with: sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah. That's not true right. anymore. With the with the yeah. magnitude of technology we have, that's not true. Words do hurt. Words do kill if they are used in a certain way to cause harm like it is now. And Mark, I'll turn it over. Yeah,
0: to you. so I think that, that that means, you know, getting these uh, companies to to f- have objective rules as opposed to logarithms that pick out terms of language or phrases that are offensive, which is a very subjective standard. And reporting people on subjective standards, you should have an objective standard for measuring whether or not somebody's doing harm. That's libel, slander, and or violence. So that means... On all the people that seem to have social media platforms still because they advocate for violence. And then when people are committing these uh, acts of, uh, va- you know, these viral acts of, of slander and libel against people, um, there should be a way to get to them. Um, I think their identity should be linked and that the, the companies should share the identity so that somebody who's been shown to be a bad faith actor on social media and to use it uh, as a malignant platform to harm people should be banned. And there's no way uh, that they can get back on. Like me, I have a check mark. My, yeah. you know, I my identity is tied to to my social media presence. Um, I, I don't I, I want to make it so that. Uh, if s- s- somebody is like me, a verified person, can't then switch identities or just ha- or just handles and uh, get a new uh, computer IP address or something or yeah, uh, that- email whatever as they do it and then sign up and continue you know raging online. No, I want to make it impossible for that person to have the privilege of going online again. And to your point, Mark, when the blue check mark started you know,
3: this blue badge verification, it was never intended to be a, quote, popularity contest that it has become right. now, right? right. Um, I got a blue I'm check. Sure <laughs> that, right, and that's that's just it, is this blue check has transformed uh, into this, this sign of clout, this sign of popularity that you have more of a voice, and it's wrong. When it first started, it was solely for the news networks and publications and public figures such as Mark who were very highly susceptible to impersonation to where, based off their work, their name alone, whatever it may be, that nobody could ever question who they are in the event something like this happened. And over the years, it has developed because of what Twitter has done, and now Instagram is just giving them out just because. And it's transformed into this way that you can even buy them under the table yeah that's wrong i didn't know that that's
0: wrong and but you know what i think there's also an issue with with uh, adult versus children online i think the last time i was i was hoarded and probably one of the worst and most savage times starting in february it went on for about a month a month and a half were were teens pre-adult teens yeah i'd say from 13 to 17 or 18 and some early college folks it was the most vicious hazing i think i'd I'd ever gotten from anybody, and when people started to defend me, they would fall back on, "I'm just a kid." Hey, man, I, you're, you're, you're a bully. You're just bullying a kid. That's that's awful. Well, I think I think maybe it's time to separate platforms, and I think it's time to maybe put parameters around a kids' use of of Twitter and and make it verifiable as well, so that they can't access all the things that they can access now, and they can't do the harm. They do now which is a great deal of harm it's literally lord of the flies out yeah. there on yeah. on twitter scape with
3: kids i, and I mean I, look yeah. they want to control this information you have twitter for kids they have facebook messenger for kids they have mm-hmm. youtube for kids after google and alphabet got nailed for you know right. advertisements that led into you know child pornography and other uh, atmospheres that would bring them into dangerous conditions. So I agree with Mark. Separate the platforms with the age, especially if they're minors and not uh, old enough to appreciate the severity of
0: what cyberspace is, what the real world is. Put them in a safe atmosphere. Because it would be a shame. It would be a shame to have their parents sued by somebody who has the resources. To deal, for example, with defamation laws in California, which are extremely difficult to prove, you have to have a lot of resources. But if somebody has those resources and takes you to town because your kid did something really awful, um, I mean that might be that might be a learning experience for some. But maybe we can avoid that.
1: No, yeah. well, these are all these are all these really are great, great points. Yeah. So you're, you know, I was watching. Uh, you, I'm sure you guys have seen that Sacha Baron Cohen speech uh, that he gave about uh, social media platforms. And, and one of the things that he addresses yeah. is that the uh, algorithms themselves uh, actually encourage things like outrage and fear uh, because that causes engagement right and, and engagement clicks, is what, advertising uh, the money making machines what right? they're
2: all about like the social dilemma
1: I, yeah. If that's at their core of what these organizations are isn't that doesn't that make it very difficult to mm-hmm. figure out a way to, around it?
0: It does, but what I'm hoping is the market speaks. Yeah. Um, so they may think that is great clickbait, but they're still dealing with human beings. I know it's popular to think of human beings as uh, just some other version of a primate or a rat who who you can sort of manipulate in any way you want. They're determined by whatever stimulus you put in front of them. But that's not the case. We still have free will and uh, and there are enough platforms now forming as a result of their disenchantment with the way that. Itself, um, that I'm hoping there's a market solution to this, and we're hoping to be part of that market solution. To be honest with you, um, I don't. I'm, I'm very uncomfortable with a Ted Cruz questioning Jack. I don't like Jack. I don't like the way he does business. Um, but I don't like Congress saying that a person, uh, a, a, that deciding that they can control what one says on one's own. <laughs> on one's own property, or or, uh, or even such a vast property as as, uh, as Twitter, I'm very uncomfortable with that. It, the precedent's already been set, but I'm less comfortable. I'm very uncomfortable with it, with them trying to find inroads into it now. I mean, Jack can take responsibility and and make law make his rules objective, and then he can avoid the uh, the uh, the scrutiny. I think that he's getting from Washington. Look, I mean, you're
3: balancing public policy rights with. First Amendment freedom of speech, right? right? And you have, tricky. you know, to your point, Mark. Yeah, I mean, you have senators like Ted Cruz and people that are asking questions, but A, they're not the right questions. And the reason they're not the right questions is because they don't understand what they're asking. <laughs> well, what doing, about right? all so those it, tubes it that are delivering? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just it, is you know, I, I don't know if it was Ted Cruz, but one of the senators, it had to have been last year when Zuckerberg first got called to Capitol Hill, and they said, well, Mr. Zuckerberg, can can you answer this question? Because nobody gets it. How does Facebook make money? And uh, Zuckerberg looked to them and like smirks and goes, uh, well, Senator, advertisements, That that's no different than any website that you go to. You yourself are on Facebook. So the problem is, is that you have individuals in positions of power that use their power in the wrong ways for the wrong reasons, because they don't understand what they're looking at to get yeah. And I think what I like about what Mark and I are doing is we both come from two different worlds, different ages, dim- different backgrounds and demographics. But we share that same experience yeah. and having that kind of, you know, that opposite spectrum, you know, it, it's it's an advantage because we're able to really learn and understand what people our age Are saying what they feel, what they think, and how they're using it.
2: There's more to come with our guest on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview right after this. We'll be right back. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick.
0: We'll see if Lester are really the contenders, or are they just kind of faking it. We'll find out on Free Kicks.
1: Contenders or pretenders. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, OpieShows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Hey, it's Tommy. And I'm Sam. And Kimmy. And on this week's episode of And Friends, we all get our rocks off with Keanu Reeves. Woo! And in a world where you can rent a movie theater for $100, Woo! what's on your bucket list? Listen to And Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts.
2: Just search for Radio Misfits. We're back. Well, it's no doubt that you guys are extremely thoughtful and, uh... Really appreciate the time that you guys have spent here. One quick, one last question. Did you, have you guys watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix? Yes. Yeah. Pretty yeah. pretty creepy. <laughs> very, very, discon- creepy. very disconcerting,
1: you know, and um, if people want to get involved with the Guardian so. Project, how, how how can they do that?
3: The easiest way, of course, uh, is to, to find
0: Mark online on, on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, Mark, if you want to share your social... Yeah, my, my Twitter handle is uh, at Mark R. Pellegrino and uh, my uh, Instagram is at Mark Ross Pelle M-A-R-K-R-O-S-S-P-E-L-L-E And then
3: we also have our Guardian Project social media as well The Guardian Project on Facebook on Twitter it's at Guardian Proj P-R-O-J and I believe Mark Instagram is The Guardian Project official I believe Yep and uh we have our kickstarter that's that's live right now to the end of the month so very easy to find and uh and to, happy to, and to answer donate. anybody and yes
0: donate
2: yeah well we really do appreciate your time and uh um good luck yeah you know i we're, think uh, we're, we're rooting for you yeah and uh we're talking while the Thank election you. returns are coming in <laughs> so we're in a pretty partisan uh, you know we're all very tense right now but uh you know we appreciate the time that you get how are you guys handling through the election good I I think I'm
0: numb. At this point, I'm just, I'm just numb. Well, we've done a couple trips to the liquor store in the past two, three days. So it's
3: it's been a lot of travels. We appreciate you
1: guys showering for the interview, at least. Yeah, we Uh, see
2: uh, uh, our listeners can't see, but you guys both look great on our little Zoom screen on my phone right now. You guys are looking fantastic. Thanks for being with us. I'm glad I look like I showered. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. You're a professional actor. Yeah, you're an actor. You're just playing, you're playing the clean
0: role really well right now. <laughs> thanks for being with <laughs> us, guys. Thanks. <laughs> look at that. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks.
2: Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows Distributed by Ed Silla. Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It's just moved to a better place. radiomisfits.com dot
1: And we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity
3: Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities
0: for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions.
3: Tony, can you shut up?
0: You know,
1: I was uh, telling my kids the other day that uh, I never thought the 90s had a look, but if you look at pictures of ourselves... Oh boy, the 90s really does have a look, doesn't it? If I would have
2: known what was going to happen to my hair, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone through the mullet years. Is that ago. your final haircut was the mullet? Yeah, well, the comb over, is that a haircut? Does that counts. Yeah, all right. Well, then no. But, okay, uh, that's
1: good. It was the last official one. Did you ever have the the mullet in the back and the bald on top at the same
2: time? No. no you mean the Joe Dirt? Yeah. No, that, no, never, that I never went been,
1: Joe Dirt. That would have been a great look. <laughs> Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, Amazon, or wherever you find podcast just search for radio misfits
0: coming up on the next episode of the car guys report informed automotive our man in the field roger rexroad continues his visit as we talk about modern classics i'm mark vernon join me and our man in the field for this very special episode of the car guys report a tony lasano podcast at opi production on the radio misfits podcast network if you missed L- Los Anno L- An- or La- Los Los An- and friends, here's what you missed.
2: So, I thought we got over our fight from last week. We had a little <laughs> tiff that was going yes. on. Are
0: you still angry with me?
2: I hope not, because we're supposed to do something tonight.
0: Oh, we are supposed to yeah. Do, yeah. do something yeah,
2: tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we are. Oh, we oh, have you. We are, no,
0: we're going to. We are going to. <laughs>
2: What, right. pray teller, I'm are you guys going to do Tony, I'm all yours, Tony. I'm all yours. Wow. All right. All right. <laughs> That's on the record, you know. You get that in <laughs> writing. Yeah.
0: Do, do you want to tell them what? I, how I asked you? Do you remember what I said?
1: Okay. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he was like, it's not going to include Star Wars or sex, but hopefully it'll still be just as fun. It was probably the best text yeah. I've, yeah. I've ever received. Ooh.
0: Radio Misfits. Get more Losano and Friends. Losano. Now on Losano.com. Good luck trying to spell Losano or whatever the f it's called.